Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, and welcome to Get the Table, another Wrestling Roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and the Dadly Boys of What Culture, here to discuss another burning wrestling issue. That issue today, the truth about Vince McMahon, Triple H, and WWE creative. Now, Sige, I was there at the Raw after WrestleMania. It felt like the, the world was ending. It felt like the beginning of the end of this brilliant new era of WWE. That hasn't quite materialized yet. What's going on? Well, we've named this podcast The Truth. Mm. We don't know it, but we are (laughs) aiming to, like, delve into the weeds, to use a Vince McMahon expression, to just, like, gather lots of evidence, I suppose, and then really try and arrive at what's actually going on, because it really is difficult to determine, because, as you said, the Raw after WrestleMania, after they did a real modern-day Vince move, on the second night of WrestleMania and cruelly deprived you of the happy ending, which had Vince all over it. He did it countless times with Roman Reigns. Then the Raw after WrestleMania was weird, very, very basic. You got that really disturbing, prolonged beatdown of Cody Rhodes by Brock Lesnar. Various other things happened on the show where there was minimal wrestling for the first hour, like, what, five minutes in total? Mm. And then there were no returns, there was no joy, there was no atmosphere, there was no celebratory feeling. It just felt like a Vince McMahon Mm. over the last however many years raw after WrestleMania. And as you said, it was thought, right, that's it. I generally thought WrestleMania 39, 95% of it was one of the best sports entertainment shows of all time. I thought it was unbelievable. And as we said, it went crashing down to a halt. And there was a lot of sort of doomsday thinking, and, oh, that was it. Nice while it lasted, I guess. And then Backlash ruled. Mm. Bad Bunny's incredible. That entrance was literally one of the coolest things WWE has ever done. And, you know, there's been some... um, The the product's not as hot. I think even the most um, cynical of WWE fans, you'd have to be delving really into bad faith territory to say that the build to WrestleMania 39 was bad and that it wasn't big or it wasn't compelling or it wasn't interesting. Like, it felt red hot. It felt like it was accelerating towards a conclusion. Now, I know that certain developments, and if you're a hardcore WWE fan who just loves it, you're not going to agree. But from my sense of things, and it's just my perspective, everyone's social media um, activity is curated differently. It does feel to me like there's a sort of a narrative cowardice creeping back in to WWE, how... Um, they didn't go with Cody, and then a backlash. I know Cody Rhodes has said that he won with a wrestling move, but when Bret Hart used to do that, at the close of SummerSlam 1992, when he defeated, when British Bulldog defeated Bret Hart with a pin, he didn't sprint out the ring in fear that he was going to get his ass kicked. That's just not how these things used to go. So a sense of narrative cowardice, a sense of NWing the bloodline, and that it just feels like they are trying to get as much out of it with what's left rather than just ending it. Mm. So yeah, it's not as hot as it was at WrestleMania, but it doesn't feel like a Vince McMahon product. Like Gunther isn't all over Raw if Vince McMahon does in fact have his hand up Triple H's arse and Triple H (laughs) is literally playing the role of a puppet 
a Ronald McDonald character who's a friendly face of the resurgent WWE, and Vince McMahon's controlling this thing, the strings behind the st- uh, behind the scenes. Nor does Vince McMahon book a way reunion. <laughs> I gather there are lots of people watching or listening to this who have no idea who the way is. I gather Vince McMahon has no idea what the way is. It's a stable from NXT featuring Johnny Gargano, Dexter Loomis, um, Austin Theory once upon a time, and Indy Hartwell. And they are talking on Raw about bringing back DIY and Johnny Gargano's coming back. Vince isn't doing this. He just isn't. So what is he doing? And why has he stopped doing it after WrestleMania um, 39 and the Raw after? Mm. I don't know. Indulge me with a conspiracy theory, and Hamlet, I will give you a, a turn to talk <laughs> imminently. Is it possible, or is it too cynical for me to suggest that at present, at time of recording, while it's still not as hot as it was in the lead-up to WrestleMania 39, WWE right now is in a position where it's cable TV ratings are just killing everything it competes against on Raw. I think it was number two this week, but more often than not, it's doing amazingly mm. well. The live gates are like, unbelievable. They are The top era is dead. Mm-hmm. They are selling out everywhere they go. They are smashing gate records. Like Fightful Select do a great job of compiling all the um, at the gate info, and I seem to read every single week, oh, that market, they've just set a record for the gate, that market. Mm. Like the live events, Jesus Christ, the live events through Cody Rhodes are really selling out. So the printout with the no comps, the next yeah. two months of shows, that's the all talent. No no free tickets to yeah. any talent because every seat is sold. Yeah. Punter. Is it possible or is it too cynical that while WWE is experiencing incredible success <clears throat> at the live gate um, in the Nielsen ratings, that if Vince McMahon were to say, right, it's mine now, it would be a terrible look and it would cause a backlash. Is he biding his time waiting for that product to cool off, waiting for those ticket sales to dry up, to give himself pretext to finally just do it. He can do it. Like, he can do it whenever he wants. He obviously wants to do it. Otherwise, if he didn't really want to do this and retire happily, guess what? He retired happily (laughs) when he resigned in disgrace. So what gives? Mm. Why have we got from the Raw after WrestleMania, to now, where it's still very much a Triple H product, and don't give me that bollocks about, ah, that that must have been a Vince thing. Mm. No, he can't be as bad as Vince. He studied under Vince's tree for, like, two and a half decades of his life leading to this moment. Am I being too cynical, or genuinely, is he just biding his time because now is not the time to strike? I don't think you're being cynical. I think we're in a, we're in slightly uncharted waters here. Vince McMahon has a boss now. It's only one person in Endeavour, and that person rates Vince McMahon yeah. enough to want him as part of the deal. Like, as said that he was key to it, that Vince McMahon's involvement was key to it because of, you know, how he built the WWE brand. But I think, like, I think conspiracy theory is a stretch. I think it's a reasoned theory. I think it's good educated guesswork. There are two things to me at the moment that are sticking out that we do not associate with Vince McMahon and haven't ever associated Vince McMahon. That is... His ability to delegate and telling the truth, right? And yet Vincent Mann said when he came back, he wasn't going to get in the weeds. He wasn't going to get in the crushed leaves of WWE's regular business. He was simply going to overlook things. Mm. 
has he told the truth for the first time? Because it's just not something we're used to, right? What if that was actually legitimate? And this is his role, and the Endeavour people desperately wanted him first as a figurehead, but like as is the case in a lot of takeovers, unfortunately, there's bloodbaths in terms of staff that leave. There are key people in key roles, and then a lot of other people are simply not figured in. And is Triple H now, is creative considered busy work? Because all of a sudden, it's such a small part of a take you know it was years ago that we used to sit here and you know discuss how the customer base the gates the things like that were no longer how WWE made the most money once we got into these billion dollar rights fees it, this era that was when the customers made up for less than 50 percent of the, where yeah. WWE made its money so you couldn't consider creative busy work compared to how these companies make money now and maybe as hard as it is to believe Vincent Mann was telling the truth for one and Vince McMahon has been put in a position where he's been forced to delegate because it's the first time in forever. It's only one person, but he has our boss. Mm. Like, that, as I'm saying it, feels as conspiratorial <laughs> as anything you said, Sidney, yeah. to be quite honest. But it's uncharted. It is new, and it is possible as we still, what, like six weeks into this deal? Uh, earlier still, if you consider how long Endeavour have said they expect to take to get things as oh, they yeah. would like them. We may as well be talking about this as if it is a day old. It was a day old on the Raw after WrestleMania where there was all that sense of panic. But in business terms, it's still only really a day old, isn't it? We're still mm. in the very, very embryonic stages of this deal. I think they've only just named the new co. Yeah, like TKO group. TKO, yeah. Like something like a backlash um, to just like lean on backlash and how successful backlash was, was probably destined to be as it was because this uh, localized marketing thing, this let's push the local homegrown stars. There's been a feature of Triple H's booking since he took over. Three major shows. There's yeah. probably others I'm forgetting, but three major premium live events have been centered around the local hero, like having a blast and the crowd having an awesome time getting to see it. So that was a pre-established Triple H thing with or without this takeover. So maybe it's that. Maybe we haven't yet moved into the era. We just know he's back because we've seen his ugly face on the television. Speaking of which, uh, <laughs> I'll want to circle back to that in a while because I've got my own conspiracy theory to present. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal 
personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. But where does Triple H stand in all of this then? Is this lack of clarity that that we, we sort of alluded to there. If, if Raw's great, it's all Papa H. Mm. And if Raw has a bad segment, that's Vince getting involved and muddy in the waters somewhat. That's got the absolute dream job. That needs to go. <laughs> that needs to go, that take. Like if, I mean, it doesn't, I suppose, if you don't. We enjoy getting to critically analyse this, and I think people that watch us and listen to us do too. But if you're a fan that believes that, I like WWE for the most part, but if you're a fan that believes that, like, you need to give your head a wobble because, as Cedric has always pointed out, to your credit, Triple H learned everything under mm. Vince. So just because you might like to do some things differently, the fundamentals are the same. Like, that's the learning tree sat at for years and years and years. Um, it's got the same sense of humour. Yeah. Like, the, the, the company culture is one that he has helped curate, and it's an ugly one. So there's all of that, all of that to one side. Um, it was never, and I only really realised this when that rubber chicken was thrown at Cody Rhodes, that Triple H is, well, I was struggling to articulate about what I liked about Triple H being in what we believe to be sole control of WWE's creative direction. Wasn't individual storylines, some of which I thought were great, or individual characters or whatever, some of which I thought were great. It was how quickly, impressively so, he'd regained certainly my trust. And based on some of these gates and audience reactions, the trust of many, Yeah after decades of abuse from Vince McMahon, like that trust was just burned over and over and over again. And from what, last July? Maybe it was because it was something people wanted to feel again. I certainly did. Um, Triple H had done it. And the WrestleMania build was the perfect sort of illustration of that. We talked about it before the show. If you looked at the card, it was a breakaway from relying on old stars and old talent, like literally so in the case of John Cena wrestling the opener and wrestling a boring 10-minute match where he put over a new guy. Couldn't have been any further away from the era of the old stars coming back and gobbling up the main event minutes, Triple H himself included in that. Um, every match on the card felt like it deserved its spot rather than it just... Even the showcase matches, like which were showcase matches, were there to try and illustrate the quality of, especially in the men's one, the tag division that Triple yeah. H tried to create... It all felt like it earned its place rather than it just being that WrestleMania like participation night which had taken away from the grandeur and the luster of it right the way into a main event where you anoint this top star. You've done a fabulous job of not necessarily building but reclaiming from AEW and keeping shiny new and super polished. Like injury aside, they could have botched that between the Rumble and WrestleMania. They had a baby face just as hot in Sami Zayn and they didn't. Every step was absolutely perfect. And then at Sidge's point when that hand slapped three, when the next day came and it was like, Vince is back, you were like, oh, well, that makes sense then. That felt like the most obvious Vince McMahon play. Yeah. A, a call that was made that, right, we need somebody at the front that we can trust as this takeover goes through and God forbid we take a chance on a guy that we spent months building. We'll go with what we know. We'll go with Roman Reigns. And I think that now is why WWE feels so muddled and why I, I've, I love Backlash. I think even this week's Raw, as we record this, was pretty entertaining. Mm -hmm. SmackDown's been great in places. And yet, there is a cloud that looms over all of this because that trust is gone again. And 
I'm not so sure. Second time around, what, like eight months Triple H got it back? I don't think he'll do it that quickly this time. I think now the idea that Vince McMahon might even Zoom or Skype call into Raw mm. is enough to convince people that they can never just go all in. Because that was what it was. People were, people were committing in every sense, emotionally, financially, in ways they hadn't. And I'm saying they, me, I, like lots of people, anecdotally, that you would speak to were all in on WWE. Me and Sidge that clash at the castle. Like, Sidge is one of the more... Cynical but very fair analysts of WWE lean over to me and saying, "Fed rules." Like it made I you said, WWE rules made out you loud. feel the feel. Yeah, and that is one of the hardest things to reclaim. And especially now, I think people will just kind of like love it at arm's length. Yeah, because Vince McMahon, the floating head on a Zoom call, is always there for me. Like maybe the truth is, at least for now, if you like, this thing can coexist with my theory of trip, uh, Vince McMahon knows that maybe if he does want to take over the full reins, get in the weeds, like why would he do this if he doesn't? Like that's the question. Why would he do all of what he's done if he doesn't want to get properly back involved? That theory can sit alongside the fact that Triple H. This is a Triple H product mm. for now. It really is like. I understand that Vince is in charge, but this has got so many distinctive hallmarks of a Triple H product. So I think the truth is that for now, Triple H is sat in Gorilla. It is his vision, whether you whether you believe that or not. Think of the ridiculous explanation for the the canonical reason why the World Heavyweight Championship exists. He said that Roman Reigns, and I would have done this, has negotiated himself a very cushy, cushy deal with which he can just sort of turn up when he wants, barely defend the title, and that's not good enough because the subtext here is that Raw's pretty boring without a focal point and a reason for all of this to exist. Like, they said the quiet part loud with that explanation. It was a bit of a cell phone, and it wasn't the best launch of a world title, or it wasn't the most elegant solution to a thing that had happened with a world title. Cast your mind back, I'm sorry, to 2020 NXT, when they decided, <laughs> right, we've got a chance against Fighter Fest, I believe it was, to try and chip away at their viewership over on TNT at the time. Let's do the Great American Bash, and let's have Keith Lee and Adam Cole unify the NXT and North American titles in one massive match. I think they won the viewership, but not the demo whichever you believe is more important. I don't want to get shouted at, to be perfectly honest, okay? <laughs> so that was, all right, okay, well, what happens to the North American title, right? Can you remember what happened to the North American title? Keith Lee didn't defend it, like, surrendered it. Yeah. Regal said it needs to be defended. So it was back out in the wild again. Keith Lee said, like, weeks after, I enjoyed winning both the titles, but I think of the interest in sporting competition or whatever, meritocracy, whatever, I'm going to relinquish the NXT title, and focus on my duties as NXT champion, okay? William Regal, the on-screen character, as scripted by Triple H or overseen by Triple H, said, that's a great idea, let's do that. Six weeks earlier, William Regal also said, it's a great idea, I love this competition, it's a great idea to unify those titles, which was it? Like, which was yeah. it? Was it a great idea to unify those titles, or was it a great idea to then split them apart like less than two months later? Triple H inelegantly trying to solve a really unnecessarily complicated title picture, which is a desperation ratings grab. 
in the in the first instance. That's a hallmark of his booking, and we've just saw it mm. in this post Vince world. Apparently, the truth is sometimes Triple H can be bad. Mm. And that's the truth I've tried to. And ex- as a booker, yes, indeed. And I think that's the truth I've been trying to reiterate for uh, coming up to seven years of my career <laughs> as a as a wrestling analyst for What Culture. We we bemoan creative very often, but I do kind of feel a bit sorry for them when you hear the reports of them just coming back and forth with scripts and until you write what Vince write, likes, then that's it. Right now, who are they writing for? Are they writing for Triple H or are they writing for Vince? The system is the same. So they're probably writing for Triple H. But again, it's without knowing, it's obviously all speculation. Some of it baseless. But based on the way that the some of the ex-NXT writers spoke of their relationship with Triple H, which is all we can really go off, it did seem like he was keen to establish an air of collaboration. Mm. Now, maybe with Raw and SmackDown, that's different. These are more moneyed properties. Serious business. Yeah. Like, with respect to Black and Gold on the NXT, a product I loved, this is serious business. Um, and maybe it's different now. And maybe he's got to absolutely be final say and everything's got to be tailored to his liking. But wrestling historically, where you've had bookers and creative teams and committees and whatever, people have liked things done their way. So if Triple H liked him at the top with a small group in collaboration, you can probably extrapolate that to the main roster as well, just the same as how Dusty Rhodes preferred to book completely by himself rather than by committee and things mm-hmm. like that. Like, they've had their ways, and whether it be like one, two-man teams, whatever, I would assume that's what Triple H has done with Ron SmackDown, but we don't know. And again, maybe that's a Vince McMahon call. Maybe he, maybe when he does Zoom in or Skype in, he's saying, that's got to be you, Paul. It's got to be all you. Don't listen to them puny writers. Tear the scripts up in front of them. Like make them make them be motivated, all that sort of stuff. They need to be fighting for their jobs out there because that's how he did it. Like the culture of fear was being reported as disappearing when Triple H took over from this. The usual sources that drip feed stuff out to the various news sources that we get. So has that returned since Vincent Man has come back? We haven't seen too much of it, other than what was it the week after the Raw after WrestleMania? It was like morale's rock bottom, yeah. And then gradually <laughs> those stories have disappeared, and people probably thought. He's back. I hate, I hate this. Thanks. Yeah. I hate it, Vince. But so that's stopped again as well. So you, you would like to think that Triple H should try to cultivate a nicer backstage atmosphere, but he's got a career of hideous toxic behaviour too. So you just don't know. Finally, let's talk about the mustache. Um, it's a point of contention for me. I actually got annoyed at, at AW Rampage this week when Max Caster was rapping about it because it points to the thing that really wound me up about this whole thing and it will lead us to our final discussion about how this is kind of a delay tactic as you sort of alluded to until we get full on Vince potentially just taking over the whole show. That is my baseless conspiracy theory I'm, informed by years and years yeah. of precedent. But I'm, I'm with you on that and, and I, what really wound me up when Vince returned aside from his return um, and ruining all the good work that had gone prior to it, was people going, doesn't he look silly with that silly moustache? It's the distraction piece, isn't it? It's look over there, look at Vince's uh, funny, weird, you know, pencil moustache that he's got, and let's neglect the fact that, like you say, he resigned in disgrace, all these allegations... It was it, he manipulated his way back in to, to take over the company. He reorganized the, the the structure of it, and like you say, Endeavor were were huge fans of Vince. And look at the other people that they've supported mm-hmm. uh, recently. They're not going to be that uh, morally uh, guided on, in their decision making. The, the the mustache for me is the sort of the the epitome of 
of people getting distracted by the wrong things when the major thing is happening right in front of them. It would not shock me whatsoever if a PR firm has told them to do that. Yeah. But equally, this is a man who it was, um, I can't remember who it might have, I don't want to put anyone's, this is definitely a story, but I don't want to attribute it to the wrong former agent. But apparently, allegedly, all the rest of it, the production road agent staff were told to dye their grey-haired beards because he couldn't sanction the process of aging. So maybe he's just more of a lunatic than we thought possible. Whatever the reason behind the mustache, I don't care about the mustache. I don't want to do cry-laugh emojis for the mustache. This is a man who was accused of rape. I don't think it's it's been spoken about enough that he's just back around. Like he all, should not be all, working. Yeah, all the people. like yeah. If you consider the people like that have been from within the company... That have like that kicked off the chain of events, and he's walking back into that company, predominantly with the majority of the same people that were there before he left. And it doesn't get talked about, as you say, because of the moustache. It's Boris Johnson's hair. It's every similar situation of you know from the last several years when some PR agency clocked on that people will just simply look and laugh at the stupid thing and thus ignore the rest. I believe it to be that. I believe he's. You know, when he said he took bad advice leaving, I think he believed the moustache to be good yeah. advice. And that's all there is to it. It's as, it's as gross a tactic as any other one he's deployed in the last sort of six months. It's very intriguing to see what happens in the coming months and what, certainly what WrestleMania 40 may look like in comparison to 39. But, but let us know your thoughts on everything we've discussed in the comments section or on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE, where you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE, as I said. Uh, but for now, my thanks to the Dadley Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. <laughs>